This is Phantom Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Jazzy Jackson for the first time. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, everybody know we are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. So if you use coupon code GHOST to get one month free premium subscription so you can stop scrolling and start listening and get alerts on this platform for the podcast you listen to. And we are a featured podcast, and this episode will be on Newsly later tonight. So thank you again for being on the program. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. Great to be here. So you are a shamanic energy um, medicine, energy healer, uh, Reiki and career change expert. If I'm putting all that in one mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I practice different modalities, but I do tap into the shamanic state in, when I am with clients. And I use a lot of my shamanic practices and experience uh, to be able to align people to their highest purpose and to get closer to their higher self. So I use different uh, modalities like Reiki, breath work, sound baths, um, even some Qigong movements, um, and a lot of like the, the shamanic type practices that I've learned along the way. So the focus on this episode is um, healing from within, uh, the power of energy healing and its impact on well-being. Um, so maybe, uh, you can talk about, uh, your practice in terms of that, like what inspired you to pursue, pursue a career, uh, in this type of work? Yeah, I think that the reason why I chose to, um, talk about healing within is because so much of my life I was looking for validation and healing and other things outside of myself. I think that we're all so trained and so programmed in the world to look towards other things that are out, outside and never look within ourselves. Um, and I think that it wasn't until 2015 when I really started to deep dive in and really started to look at what was happening internally where I really started to heal because really I was in therapy for like 20 years at that point. I was going to doctors. I was doing all of these other things and trying to look for answers outside of myself. And when I finally went inwards with Reiki and breath work and looking at my emotions and looking at what was happening in my gut and physically inside of myself, not just emotionally, I really started to make leaps and bounds in my healing process. That's really interesting because as, as a creative person, I'm a producer, musician, a songwriter. And a lot of what we do with songwriting is very cathartic. And like mm -hmm. as I, I've talked to over 300 musicians and what a lot of us, we take what's inside and we take one what's on the outside and we find a way to voice those feelings that are kind of like universal truths that people feel and we can connect with frequencies because as a musician i'm a keyboard player but i i, I understand like certain sound frequencies seem to connect with people and um i always use that as a, as a way to to feel um you know kind of one with the universe it's kind of a hippie thing, but is this a kind of the nature of being a musician is we, we kind of tap into that? Yeah, I mean, I can totally see that my husband is a musician. Um, he's a guitarist and he's somebody that never had a single lesson, just, you know, plays by ear. Um, he's been in multiple bands before and 
watching him and his bandmates, I can see how that's really true. And I play a little piano myself, but I'm like classically trained. I have to read mm -hmm. the notes. I don't necessarily do what you just said I, I wish, but I could see how that is a cathartic experience. And then even after some of their shows or after they've jammed out for, you know, a few minutes, a few hours, whatever the case may be, you can, you can see how much their spirits have lifted, how good they mm -hmm. feel, even if it was the most God awful thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> they just seemed like they were so good. Yeah. Afterwards. Very, yeah. Well, they kind of take what's inside. Yeah. You know, like an actor, like if you see an actor, and they do like, you know, like one act play or they do it like off Broadway. You, you see them being able to kind of voice that. And it, it is very cathartic. They, they Every time I've talked to any kind of creative person that pulls that, you know, and they were to bring it out. Yeah. It just feels like it's like you're having like a, a therapy session with yeah. the world. Like, like yeah. it, it just makes you feel it's like sports. A lot of old sports music is the same thing. And it's like the cool thing about like creative process with music is you're connected with non-verbally with your bandmates. Right. And you pick up on things that you don't even speak out. You just can feel. And there's something about connecting the people on that level. And I think it's like when you become like a public speaker and you're, you're, you're talking to audiences, I think people start to pick up the same kind of thing that you start to, to feel the crowd, right? You feel, what your the impact of what you're speaking is having on the audience. Yeah, isn't that incredible? How I, I heard a couple of different things there that you said. I think it's really incredible how frequency and how playing you being the instrument or the person or the hollow bone, if you will, that is playing the instrument to tap into a certain frequency where you're all tapping into that same frequency all at the same time and how cathartic that might feel, but also how you're having this experience of like all kind of um, loosening out and, you know, maybe releasing things that no longer serve you, releasing things that maybe angered you or gave you some type of emotion earlier that day, that week, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and you're all kind of doing it at the same time. I think that there's real power in doing things as a group, because I know for me, it's very different to hear my husband play by himself and practice on his own versus him being with his group and them kind of jamming out together. Yeah. I think it's what the thing is that's interesting is like the, the, the feelings that you can channel are like, you know, you can do anger, sadness, happiness, you know, joy. You can channel all of that. And I'm a synthesis. So with synthesis, I actually have devices that take waveforms, like like sine waves, cosine waves, ramp waves, pulse waves, triangle waves, and create instruments or sounds from that. And after doing it for 20 years, I know what certain waveforms will do and how the people will respond to those waveforms or respond to pink noise or white noise or brown noise, the different types of noise frequencies that you can approximate water, wind, nature sounds. Oh, I Earth. love that. So when you start to get into sound design, you start thinking in terms of sound pictures or sound mm -hmm. paintings and trying to make people feel those things with atmospheric pieces. And um, 
it is very, you know, you can create music that will put somebody to sleep or be a call to action or make somebody get very, you know, excited. It just that you can channel a lot of things. And when you realize you can, then you, it has a lot of power. <laughs> so I think it would be kind of like a shaman thing. You know, a lot of musicians, you know, they thought the Beatles were like shamans, you know, like Dylan's like a shaman, you know, Bob Marley's a shaman, you know, that's how people kind of think. I mean, it's, I feel like it's a very spiritual experience, not to just, I think it's a different level to play an instrument and be able to tap into that energy, especially with other people. But I also think just listening to music or certain frequencies is definitely a spiritual experience. I'm not surprised that people have called them shamans in the past. And what I also like about what you just said is it sounds like you have a very scientific approach to these these things that you that you do with sound, which I absolutely love because I don't really do anything without looking at the science or looking at yeah. studies behind what it is that I'm doing. So that's that's really awesome to hear. Yeah, there's this just to go to the the back up what the science is, there was a guy that created the the synthesizer named Dr. Robert Boat. Uh he's an American inventor. He's a doctor and he and when he created the Moog, he created a, a theory behind how you do the sound design called subtractive synthesis. Subtractive synthesis takes a waveform and then subtracts from the waveform to it approximates a natural instrument or something that you never heard. And so we can take the different waveforms and take all the frequencies and, and ad adapt them. So you can take a square wave and turn it into a bass. You can take a triangle wave and turn it into a bell. You can take white noise and turn it into wind or ocean. And there's certain things you do through through the subtractive process by running it through filters, by running it through envelope generators, all kinds of technical things. But at the end of the day, it's an art and a science. And the one thing Dr. Moog said was he felt that the machines he made, even though they were machines, had some level of consciousness in them. Mm -hmm. He's quoted saying that multiple times, that even though it's a machine, his analog synthesizers felt to him like they had a consciousness that he couldn't control, that what they had a, had a mind of their own. And using them, I do feel that because they're temperature sensitive, they're not digital, they're hand-built, and they do respond almost like a natural acoustic instrument. They have personality. That's and exactly, um, it, like, it, just, it just feels really cool when you can channel something that was built by a guy that realized it wasn't just a machine. That is incredible. I mean, I definitely believe that. I also, I also agree with the statement of like, this is a lot of what we do, you know, in the woo woo world, I think there is an art to it and there is science behind it. Like I said, I never dive into anything without kind of looking at the science, science behind it, what it is that we're doing, because there has to be some sort of explanation. I think that that's like the, the key piece that some sometimes is missing. Um, and then the other thing that came to mind, there is a story about Tesla who had an instrument uh, and he actually caused an earthquake. Yeah. In yeah. New York. I know that. That, you know that story. <laughs> yeah. I, I always go back to that and just think about how incredible it is that how we as conscious being can connect to mother earth in that way. And seriously move mountains <laughs> yeah well his idea technology for electricity was so advanced that we could have had wireless transmission of electricity if you go mm -hmm. into a lot of the way he, he was looking into because kind of like, like what we deal today as human beings 
we feel the wireless transmission of energy, right? Yeah. And electricity, even though it's lightning, it can actually be transferred through space and not be in wires. We exactly. deal with wireless tech all the time. You can actually transfer energy that way. And, you know, Edison won out versus him, but he had a, a, a concept that would have put us kind of where we should be in the future and we will get there. But yeah. the idea that he had also is kind of spiritual because it's actually kind of connected to the way the universe really works in space and on planets, the way energy really works, not through wires, it's actually in the air. Right, exactly. Yeah, one of my mentors always, always also says he must have been a shaman in a past life or something, because the work that he did as a scientist resonates so much in the shamanic community. Um, we just always think of him as like a previous shaman at some at some point or another. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. Cause I've always been very interested in, you know, whether or not we could finally get to his wireless transmission concepts, uh, which I yeah. think is, are getting closer. They're getting closer once right. we get to full electrification. And like a lot of those ideas are gonna happen. Um, and we're, we're living with some of them already, but, um, is this interesting that the whole process like, uh, I've actually talked to a lot of shamans on this show. <laughs> um, and, and it's, it, and I've talked to, you know, gurus and I've talked to life coaches, but you know, already musicians, that's what I started with. And then people said, well, how could you go from musicians to other people? And I said, well, you know, there's an interconnection between all types of human yeah. beings are creative. Human beings have this kind of tendency. So yeah, to me, it was all expansive. A lot of what I do with my music, call it expansive. So I said, well, my podcast mm -hmm. can be expansive. So I'm just kind of giving the background. Like, well, how can a musician be talking to people that aren't musicians? I said, well, because the world is expansive and you can talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there's a lot of things that um, shamans do with music as well. Drumming, rattling you know, singing is very cathartic and very like it gets you into that shamanic state, into that theta state where you're able to access, you know, new realities. That's where you're able to manifest. And so music plays a huge part in the shamanic community as well. Well, because you kind of have this logic brain, right, that makes you think logical and do science and stuff. But then the kind of like creative brain that's like tapped into, you know, spiritual stuff and the music and the emotion and the heart and sorrow and pain, you know, it's not as logical, right? It's more primal. It's more like instinctive. Um, mm -hmm. It seems like to me, like, like I try to balance that. Like I said, you know, I, I there, there's an art and there's a science, but there's a heart and there's a soul. Yeah. Like in music and it, like, like, I like freeform jazz or jam band stuff. Um, it's kind of cathartic. It's very kind of freeing versus I can read so I could play a, a written piece that's more orchestral and add a certain power to that, certain precision to that. But there's something about doing something that's more kind of like uh, heartfelt, you know, like, like jazz or blues or yeah. those forms. This feels something about it like a delta blues is like, mm -hmm. it's like pain like you if you channel pain like delta blues channels pain yes. <laughs> you know it's like so that that's in the tree to channel that pain and they take that pain and actually bring it out mm -hmm. um so that part of the whole process of trying to take things that people bury 
inter- had to not deal with is maybe you can talk about the whole process of how you heal people. Yeah, of course. So um, every client is is different or every person that I come across, because it's not, not just clients, sometimes I'll be at the supermarket. And I think I'm such an open vessel, such, you know, people feel very grounded and comfortable with me that they feel like they can tell me anything, even if I've never met them before. True story. I've been at grocery stores multiple times where people will walk up to me at the cereal aisle and just start to tell their story because they need to be heard. And I understand what's happening in the moment. So what happens is I actually assess what's happening and I am there to listen, there to bring them back into a certain state. And so a lot of the times what what people that come up to me in that state, they're usually in this state of like, having their nervous system so out of whack, out of balance, being in this survival mode, if you will, and recognizing that they need to kind of tap into their emotions, tap into what's being stored in their body. And I do that in a couple of different ways. If I'm out in public, I can't go really deep, but I can at least bring them out of that state and Mm -hmm. into a more... um, kind of emotional, kind of calming state. But if we have like an hour long session, maybe two hours, usually most of my clients go about two hours, we will tap in and take a look at what's happening. So I might do um, what's called core transformation, or I might do a Reiki session or a shamanic session, where we really go into the core beliefs, we really go into where these things are tapped or are trapped in your body and start to slowly release them. Um, You know, this isn't magic and stuff isn't going to completely go away in two hours. So there is multiple sessions that happen. And there's also the willingness and the readiness to be able to face some of these things, to do that shadow work. And like Carl Jung had um, specified, it's called, um, and to move forward in, in your journey. But there are so many tools out there that can help us really dive in deep and release. So that's how you, you have you have like a safe and supportive space for that, for people to undergo that, because I guess you just need to make sure people feel comfortable and it's an appropriate session compared to like the grocery store <laughs> place yeah. to actually, actually be able to do what you need to do. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the example with the grocery store, I, I, I brought up because you don't need something very formal necessarily. Um, you need, I, what I like to teach people is like understanding and really looking at their emotions because I think that as children and as we grow up in society, we're all really focused on making it in the world and success and pushing down our emotions. Like don't cry at the store, you know, I'll, I'll give you something to cry about type, type of situations really form who we are later on in life and how we process or don't process those emotions. And so what I like to, part of the teachings that I I like to give some of my clients is really understanding where they're at and how to really feel their emotions. Sometimes it's not even about feeling it. It's about recognizing that they're there and knowing how to release them and knowing that that's not going to necessarily mean that you're going to forgive someone or that you need to let something go or let a situation that happened go, but it's about recognizing those feelings and emotions and understanding how to release them from your body. 
So how how have you shifted people's like perspective on on um these practices? Because some people grow up in 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 kind of very strict environments where they don't have their imagination or their acceptance capability to even imagine going to see you because they've been told, you know, that they, you know, that, that, that foo-foo, they can't do with that. You know, because a lot of people like they're stuck in a paradigm, like people get stuck in their own glass ceiling. You know, they, they can't get beyond something because they've been told that like, but this is the limit. Yeah. And uh, so how do you get people to realize, you know, maybe those limits are artificial. Yeah. You know, I realized a really long time ago that it's not my job to convince anybody. Um, If somebody tried to convince me like early on in my twenties about this stuff, I wouldn't have even listened. I, that's just, that was just ready. People have to come to you in a kind of state that they're actually ready to hear it. So what I do is I plant a seed. I tell them about my own experience. I tell them about how it could be beneficial. And if they're open to it, that's awesome. You know, some people are, I've had clients where they will come in and literally like be closed off. They'll literally sit with arms crossed and like not be open to it. Right. And by the end of the session, they're really at ease because like I said, I, I like to look at the science behind things. And so I get to know the person first and try to speak their language. And at the end of the day, it really is up to them to, if they're ready to free the healing, not everybody wants to be healed. Not everybody wants to experience something like this and that's okay. Um, are they open to receiving and are they open to a new experience, really? And so what I find that happens is when I share my story and when I tell people about it and I tell them what it could do for them, they'll think about it. A lot of the times they won't come to me right away. But over time, as things progress or as they're still finding their way in the world, then at some point, something will signal them to to come to me. You know, it might be a month out, a year out, whatever the case may be, I'll be here for them. Um, but I do find, I like to think of it as like, you know, your friend has a cut, but you have the Band-Aid. You tell them you have the Band-Aid, but they refuse it. Like you can't force them to take the Band-Aid. Yeah, you can't yeah, just put the Band-Aid yeah. on them, right? But yeah. at some point, they're going to realize that they need it and then they'll come back knowing that I have the band-aid for them and ask for it. Yeah. It's a lot of times in, in life, like, I got, you know, at some points, like where, when I was very young, I wasn't so shy. I couldn't do what I'm doing right now. Right. I couldn't do the stuff I do publicly because I didn't know how to present myself. I had a lot of fear. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the big thing that happened to me was I had a big, uh, kind of a crucible moment where I had, cancer at age 27 and I survived it and then after that point I decided I'm not going to be scared of stuff because like I survived this so why should I be scared so I I started going dead on dead at the things I was scared of I started challenging myself and you know everybody has to go through like some kind of crucible moment but Mm -hmm. I found that 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 was for me you know everybody has the, the whatever brings them to the point where they decide to make a change or they decide to open their mind to potentially look at holistic thinking versus more Mm -hmm. kind of siloed thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, yeah, I I totally get it because I know where I was and I know where I am. And I know you're constantly growing. You never, you're never done. 
you know, yeah. my opinion, you, know, you always have to challenge yourself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that's incredible. That's an incredible story, by the way. Congratulations on beating it and changing your mindset and, you know, living a more holistic life, because I think that that's what this is all about. Like, I think that we're indoctrinated so much into a certain level of thinking and this is quote unquote, the right ways, but really our souls, our own selves know what is the best things for us. And, you know, the stuff that I offer is not for everyone and that's okay, but I do hope to inspire those that are of the same thinking that are looking for a new path that are looking for new ways to expand and and grow. So what, what are the common misconceptions that people have about it? Um, and how do you address that? Like if people have misconceptions about holistic healing, like what are, are some of the ways you address them? Yeah. So there's a few big misconceptions that are out there. Um, I think the, the, the one that comes to mind is that, you know, this is by coming to only me, it's going to change their entire life. And I think that the misconception is that I'm not the one with that power. They're the ones with that power. What, the only thing that I do is I am the conduit between, you know, spirit, your higher, your higher self, whatever you want to call it. And what it is that you need to be closely aligned with your higher self and closely aligned with who you really are. I'm that conduit. And once I finish that alignment or finish that Reiki or whatever it is, it is up to you to be open and to still remain connected and be open to healing yourself. I think that part of that misconception is also like, well, if I go to a therapist, that's going to solve all my problems. As we all know, that's not necessarily true. You need kind of a support of people. It's not just you. It's not just your therapist. For me, it's like my Reiki person, my shamanic person, my breathwork person that coaches me you know, um, my therapist, um, my holistic doctor, like I have a whole team of people that I like to um, like to to go to, to remain grounded, remain connected, to remain regulated in my nervous system, because this world, I mean, I live near Los Angeles. It is just buzzing with all kinds of energy that I easily (laughs) pick up. Yeah. And so in order to stay in my body and stay really present, um, I, you know, I visit people like myself to be able to um, stay connected. Um, I think that the other misconception that it's, it's all woo woo, that it's all like magic or fake or, or, you know, there's no way that energy work, you know, will heal or will align me or whatever the case may be. And, I think, again, it goes back to what you give power to. So if you think that this is going to this is going to work for you, it's going to work for you. If you have all of these roadblocks and you're like this, I'm not open to this. It's just not going to do anything for you. It really is a co-creation. And I like to tell my clients that the power is all in you. And and there's a lot of people that come to me and always want answers and like, hey, can you connect with spirit and all these things? And my answer is always like, you can actually do this yourself. This yeah. we are all wired for this. And you don't you don't have to rely on 
anybody. You don't have to give anybody money. You don't have to spend a ton because you can learn to do this yourself and connect yourself with source. I think a lot of people are always looking for the person or the external thing outside themselves to solve it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I found is like a lot of times people are always looking for that, that, that outside helper, you know, he's like, Oh, I need this helper to get me over. And really at the end of the day, like a lot of it is yourself, like everything I needed to overcome wasn't because of somebody else. I had to overcome myself. Yeah. Right. I had to overcome what I was doing. It was me. And when I found that I could channel my feelings through my music and I could create sounds and stuff, and I actually could, you know, get in touch with that. That's how I learned to heal myself is through the art. And then the art allowed me to be confident to talk to other people and to present it to other people. And then I got to know other people. And then I found a way through that to kind of get to where I am today, where I talk to all kinds of people. But like, if you just stay in your head or you're, and you're always looking for some outside source to, to, to move it, like it's, nothing's ever going to move if you don't change inside. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful that you found that. And like to just to elaborate and expand on that, I think that we're always looking for a miracle. We're always looking for someone to come and save us. We're always looking, <laughs> you know, why so many people are addicted to love and looking for that person to notice them. Like I like to say that when we're uh, we're in our own sovereignty, when we are when we have that self worth, when we do the internal work in healing ourselves from the inside out. That's when we truly feel seen. That's when we truly feel like we have the power to do anything. And for you, it was music, right? For other people, it could be art. For other people, it could be movement, dancing. It just kind of depends. Yeah, it's just you got to find what's going to like uh, activate your, your kind of mind, body, soul, spirit. And, you know, they, you know I'm a, I live in New Hampshire. So the one cool thing about that is like, you know, I, I, we just out in nature. So I can just jump on a trail, go mountain bike, go hiking, go canoeing. And, and I just like being able to connect to the, to the, to the environment. And so I have less distraction cause I'm not in a big city, but it's, it's very freeing uh, for me to be in that kind of environment where you just go in the woods and you just listen to the woods. And it's kind of like my, 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 um, my kind of like a session to kind of get my head back. You know, if I've been like doing a lot of, a lot of computer work and just go walk in the woods or go mountain bike or go canoeing or something, then, then, then I feel like alive because I'm connecting with like Gaia, you know, and I just found that that is how I, you know, and I'm part native American, I'm part Cherokee and Blackfoot. And I find Mm. connecting to spirit animals or to the world it just feels better to me when I do that. That's beautiful. I love that that's part of your ancestry. And I I think that that can help anybody and it can empower anybody to kind of reset your nervous system, to reset your spirit, to let go of anxiety. Um, I think that if you go out into nature, taking a few moments to just take off your shoes, remove the the, the rubber between your soles and your and, and Mama Gaia, um, it allows you to feel her resonance and it automatically, instantly 
within seconds, it will regulate you and it will, your anxiety and your stress will dissipate, you know, and it'll allow you to kind of free yourself from the day-to-day thoughts and maybe the self-judgment or the judgment of others, right? And getting back into your body and really connecting with Mother Earth, it's such a beautiful medicine. And the interesting thing is like I lived in Tokyo for two years and that's a massive city, right? And it's very (laughs) modern, very, you know, like a New York or something. But there were these places where you could go and do Tai Chi in these like um, kind of Shinto like shrine areas. There were gardens in the middle of the city and people would go, you know, different times of day and do Tai Chi or meditation and kind of get like they're a salary man they're in their suit and tie they're in this kind of very tight really tight conservative kind of look but then you go into this like spiritual area that was like pastoral in the middle of the city with like a, with a yeah like a koi fish pond and all this stuff and you could you could actually go and kind of connect like I do here in New Hampshire and I thought it was really interesting that the city had so many places like that where people did that and I said well it's the eastern perspective versus a western perspective yeah for sure that's really incredible i always like to look at those cultures that are like really focused on technology and focused on you know the 3d kind of world business and um type of situations and then how spiritual they are in their personal life which like speaks to the balance within us, right? Uh, We all need balance. And I think what has happened in the world is that, again, we're all indoctrinated. This is the way to success. You got to work until you feel exhausted. And that's not necessarily (laughs) the case. Like you got to balance it all out. Yes, you can have all the tech stuff and, you know, all of the beautiful things that this modern age um, has to offer. Like, I mean, look at how incredible we can, you're in New Hampshire, I'm in California, we're sitting here talking, right? Like, this is such an amazing time to live. Um, And at the same time, it's so important to connect with ourselves. I'm not talking about you know, having religion or doing something that everybody else is doing, but sitting with ourselves, learning how to sit with ourselves, learning how to feel into what is happening within us and learning how to let go. I think that is, that is so important. So how much of a, like, I know as a musician, we kind of do a personal diary. Uh, we, we kind of look at a lot of things like, like as a creative person, I will look at situations that were painful or dramatic or joyous and I'll turn them into art. And I find that like, like, it seems like when I talk to people, they're into uh, spiritual therapy or healing mm-hmm. that you have to kind of do the same thing that a musician does kind of just, we just do it, but yeah. people do it and maybe not creating a song, but they're actually kind of, you know, dealing with those issues and bringing them out. Yeah, I think like with anything else, I remember a musician asked me once because he learned that I was doing Reiki and explained what Reiki was. And he was like, well, what about those that don't do Reiki? Like, how do they get their chakras aligned? I'm like, well, they can do it through music. Sometimes when you go to a concert, things align. Sometimes when you dance, things align, right? So I think it's the same type of thing. Because in my practice, I do have people do shadow work and I do have them go into like 
things that haven't been resolved. And we talk through these things, but also I have them journal and kind of do timelines and kind of go through their accomplishments, their successes, like going through all of the, the entire emotional wheel and seeing where, where we can celebrate things and where we're ready to let go of things. And then, you know, I explore into what would be the most enjoyable for them to be able to release. So if I found out that somebody is really musically, musically inclined and that is something that they enjoy, I might suggest something like writing a song, going out and singing, right, you know, doing something cathartic in that way. If somebody tells me that they're really into painting or really into exercise, then we find different activities that will allow them to release those things. In a holistic way. That's, that's cool. Because I think that's where I find, you know, the different artists I've run into from actors to painters, to photographers, they, they've kind of, you know, they, they use it to, as, as like therapy. It's yeah. very cathartic. You know, they, 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 a lot of artists, they, whether you make money or not, we just do it. Not just to, to like, oh, I need this to be a hit. Sometimes you just create a song because it actually needs to get out of your system. You know, it is, it is yep. something it's, it's in your head and it's a feeling and you got to get that feeling out. And it's not because you're trying to get some monetary value or some uh, respect for your colleagues. You just do it because you need to actually get the feelings out in the different the, the, you know, I think that's the way I do it. And some people don't do it that way. It's like everything has to have an alternative interior yeah. purpose. Like I'm doing this because I want it to be a hit. Yeah. I'm doing this because it's on my tour. It's doing it because I'm going to play the show. And it's like, what if you just do it because you feel it? <laughs> yeah. And my, my challenging question to them is like, are the, is your number one hit like one that you, uh, purposely went out and tried to make a hit or is it one that you really put that feeling into it that you really poured everything you had into it because a lot of the times what I hear musicians or even actors or people in the entertainment business say is like I never thought that this one would be the hit yeah, I know the one right and it's, it's because a it's the one that they were the most vulnerable in <laughs> usually it's the one they don't want to put out yeah most of the time what I found if I've talked to like 300 musicians and most of the songs that actually worked were ones they didn't want to put out and they were kind of prodded to put out ones that they almost erased. Yeah. Ones they exactly. almost on the shelf that they didn't want anybody to see. That's the one that actually worked. And that becomes the, what's kind of hard is sometimes if it works so well, it's like, wow, well, that's the one that really is hard for me, but that's what everybody likes. And then they have to kind of deal with the fact that they bore all this stuff out and they weren't totally cool with it. <laughs> yeah, it puts you in a vulnerable position, right? And it doesn't feel good to be vulnerable, but what studies have shown is that that's when you show up as your most authentic. That's when you inspire people. That's when you really connect with others. Um, it's a shame that, you know, even with this wonderful technology that we have, what it's also given people is like the power to be keyboard warriors and judge and express their sentiments and their stuff in a different way that might hurt other people. So vulnerability is is kind of a tough one these days. Yeah, because we have so many people. I was watching this thing where this guy was, um, there was like a, a jazz critic. And, and somebody that I played with Miles Davis. 
And this guy um, that played with Miles Davis was talking about how the jazz critic wasn't a jazz musician, never played anything, doesn't know how to play, was making all these statements about Miles when the other guy actually lived with Miles and played with Miles. And he was saying, like, like, you don't know Miles and you're making all these statements and you're not even paying attention to, like, the art. You're right. making all these judgments and kind of coming across as a hater. And you're not, not the life work was the music. And you can't even do that music. So how can you judge it? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, 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 so you're like, some people like are is professional critics, but are they even capable of doing what they're criticizing? You know? And so. And, even, and these days, yeah, everyone's I, a critic, right? Anybody can yeah. write a blog. Anybody can post a comment somewhere like. It's crazy. And then that you get people who are so sensitive that they won't become their authentic self because they're scared where everybody on TikTok or, you know, everybody on Instagram or Facebook groups or, you know, how the, how the social media is going to see it. And so they have to create these perfect images or perfect versions and nobody's perfect. And so then this whole thing to create perfection is then going away from the authentic self because you're too scared to show your authentic self. So you're trying to create this kind of faux self. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. It really is. And I, what I find about all these critics also is they're trying to find validation outside of themselves. They're trying to make the, their way in the world, right? But also, you know, have they dealt with their own stuff within? And I think that if everyone were to go inwards and really find what needs to be healed within, I think that this would be such a different world for sure. Yeah, it's just, it's just I, I get really up, upset when I, like the young people, my daughter was dealing with some bullying things when she was in school. And there were just people that just had no compunction about just being rude and just not being a, a good uh, I don't know, it's like learning how to be a good um, citizen, you know, it's just learning how to be uh, empathetic and just, you know, the bullying that goes on. And then what I've seen, it, it, it extends from like high school, junior high into corporate boardrooms into like companies where this kind of bullying behavior still gets encouraged and still allowed to, be, you know, continue. And, um, that that one of the reasons why I actually became like a remote worker is I got kind of tired of trying to play with that game. And I said, you know, I can get judged based on what I can do. And then because I don't have to be in that game directly, mm-hmm. I, I can actually do better. And so I found, I said, well, you know what? I do better working in that way because I got, I got tired of, of playing the, the game that they were putting me on. And, um, you know, is this the coping techniques and not everybody can ha- has the ability to do that. But I just found for myself, it's like, I don't need it. <laughs> so I, I kind of got out of it. It's like, like, I just, and then I can do what I want to do as an artist. So I do like a, a divided work. You know, I do what I want to do as an artist and I do my day job, but I don't have to be there to deal with all the, the bad effects of it. <laughs> That's incredible that you're able to kind of separate that and, 
not and kind of choose like the interactions that you have, right, where it's really different in an office setting where you might be subject to bullying or, you know, a really narcissistic uh, boss or coworker that might just be impossible to work with and having to deal with them in person is a lot different than like just having correspondence via via online, right? Like here's the project, you know, here's the information that you need where things don't have to get like too personal or yeah. too in depth, like you would have to uh, yeah. in person. And you get measured based on what you do, exactly. which is kind of what you want. You know, in the best of all worlds, you would hope HR would say, hey, you should all be measured about what you do. But like what I found is like in the last five years, I've been remote. And I found that I actually was so much, it was so much, it was so freeing that I was able to, to spend, you know, 50% of my time doing my art and the podcast and the other percent doing, doing the day job. And this felt better as a person and say, why should I go and do the commute? jump on the planes, deal with all these clients and deal with this. These I didn't need to because I yeah. could do it. Yeah. What I, what I know how to do, I could do remotely. And yeah. I didn't have to prove anything. A lot of guys were like, well, we got to prove reward road warriors. We got to prove that we're going to do it. Why do I have to do it? I'm a consultant. So I get measured based on what I do as a consultant. I decided, hey, I'm not going to play the employee game. I'm going to be a consultant. I just decided for me, that was what I wanted to do. Other people might have other things they want to do. Right. But I think you have to decide what you want, you know, and I decided the way things were going, I saw how it was. I didn't like it. So I, I put myself in a place where I felt more comfortable. That's incredible. That's awesome. Because I think that that's like the biggest battle for a lot of people is not knowing what they want. Yeah, I think that's the problem is a lot of people get, you know, for many years when I was in my 20s, it's all oh, I got to get to be a director, I got to get on the VP track, I got to do this. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I was a technician. I realized I was, I was an analyst. And I really wasn't like a management guy. I wasn't a director level guy. I'm not a VP guy. But everybody kind of like, oh, that's what you should do. And I said, well, yeah. I, that's not what I want to do because I'm, I like doing art. So if I do that VP type of thing, I can't do my art. Cause it's going to take all my time and then I can't do it. And I'm not satisfied if I can't do my art. So I had to decide what I wanted to do. Some people would never make that decision, but right? they kind of right. do something. They do, they, they do what they, people expect them to do. And mm -hmm. then they're not happy. Then they're going exactly. to the, the therapist and they're going to the, the analyst and say, like, why am I so unhappy? Why am I taking these alcoholic? I'm doing this and doing that. Well, because you're not dealing with the fact that you don't even like what you're doing. <laughs> Exactly. They're doing it for everybody else. Yeah. I think that's the first step. What I found is like, you know, especially after the cancer, I realized like, I'm not going to do something I don't want to do anymore. Right. I'm only going to do the things that I think are going to move me toward where I want to be. And I don't really care what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to do what I think I need to do for me. And it made me a better person to be around. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it, it's because you're living your most authentic self. You're in your integrity. You're probably showing up a lot happier. You're probably showing up with less anxiety, less stress. That's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, this is this hard for people to know if they're ready for that. I think that's why people like you said you leave like a seed, like when you meet somebody. And then they kind of, they eventually come to you because they realize 
they've been hitting that wall. You know, they keep on doing the same thing. They keep on not being happy. Like, why am I not happy? I'm supposed to be happy. I do. I did. I checked off all the boxes and I'm still not happy. (laughs) Right. You know, like, why is that? Why is that? (laughs) Exactly. So um, maybe you can share some upcoming projects or initiatives that you're, you're working on. Yeah, of course. So I do also have my own podcast. It's called Meditation uh, Beyond Meditation Podcast. Uh, it goes out weekly. Every Tuesday, we have a new um, guest that comes on. We recently interviewed a few really powerful people. Um, I had an equestrian therapist come on to talk about horse therapy. We had a an astrologer come on that talked about um, not just astrology for personal, but astrology for your business, which was really super interesting. We have a couple of other um, really powerful healers that have come on to talk about their modalities. Um, I am also, uh, you know, I also do Reiki and shamanic work, not just here in Camarillo, California, but also um, I have clients all over the place. I have clients in New York, Florida, Michigan, Washington. Um, so I do this remotely as well. Um, I have a Patreon where I share a lot of rituals, a lot of ceremony type things that people can go and check out. Um, it's called Crystal Luna. And um, I also have uh, some upcoming projects. I'm going to be doing a Sacred Arts Academy where I'll be inviting really powerful teachers to come and teach their different modalities. If people want to check that out, it's going to be on YouTube. So that's, that's really exciting for me. So if people go to www.krista-luna.com, is that where they can get to all those things you just talked about? Yes. And I have a couple of really awesome freebies in there. If you're interested in breath work, there's some free breath work on there that I've done in the past. Oh, I also have Oh, the most important one I forgot. I am teaching a uh, uh, Master Your Boundaries course in September. I am formulating the um, curriculum. By the way, I have a master's in psychology. So a lot mm. of the things I draw from my my psychology background, but I also bring in the experience that I have with the shamanic and the energy healing. And so having that balance in my um in my teachings is really great um, to be able to kind of balance the 3D world and your spirituality. So the Master Your Boundaries um, program is going to be 10 weeks, once a week for about two hours. We'll get together. I will teach some things on how to protect your boundary, how to how to set up your boundary and how to keep the, keep your boundary and why some of those things happen. That's awesome. So I want to let everybody know watching the podcast or listening to it. If you're if you're watching it, uh, when we're fully published, that 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 hyperlink or the the URL is clickable, so you'll be able to actually click it on YouTube and Twitch and Facebook and everywhere else that the podcast is. Right now, you can go to it www.krista-luna.com and uh, you can check all those things out. And so that we always like to tell people to support the um, the people who are on the show by clicking the links that we provide, because that's how you get in contact with a lot of the, the guests we have on the show. And that's a cool way to get into deeper uh, um, programs that people offer and services. And that's, that's always a, a good thing that people should check out. Awesome. So thank you. 
for, for giving us that. So for, um, we're kind of getting to the close of the time, but, um, uh, what are some things that, that you feel, um, maybe people don't know about what you do that they should know? Um, I think what I like to tell people is, you know, to stay open. Um, you know, if it's something that you've never heard of or something that you're kind of skeptical on, maybe do some research online, um, or, you know, visit my website. I have a lot of information. I do a lot of blog posts as well about the things that I do, um, and stay open. You can have a free consultation with me and we can talk about it. I can answer all of your questions. You know, for me, I don't do this for the money. I do it to share, you know, the stuff that I've learned and to build community and to be able to ease people's pain and suffering because I think that we're all suffering in these corporate worlds, getting up, going to work, sobbing to work. That, that, that was my story. I used to sob to work every day and I had it all. And, you know, I was in so much pain and no one knew it. And I, I want to share my story and I want to share these modalities because it may or may not be for you, but I do like to tell people to experiment as much as you can have a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset, because that will really allow you to open up and grow. Yeah. You got to take that risk. Like a lot of people, you know, the risk in believing in yourself. Yes. That's, that's the hardest thing. Cause like, you know, when you're, if you've got a dream and you're like people like when you're young, you say, well, you can't be a musician. You can't be an actor. You can't be this. Everybody tells you what you can't be. Yep. And you should be that, you know, that corporate person. And you know, that, that seems responsible, but when a lot of what I've, I've talked to people in the last two years is people who have decided, you know, I'm going to go for that dream because it's not childish to go for it because that's really who I am. Yeah. You know? And, and I think people, they, they find themselves, like they get themselves, they feel healthier, they feel better in their own body, they feel better in their own mind and the spirit and the soul when they really come to terms with understanding there's nothing wrong with going for your dreams. It's not like something you should feel guilty about. <laughs> exactly. So thank you for, for being out there and, and helping people realize that because I think that's a real positive thing to, to, to get people in the right state because every person you get to actually feel better by yeah. becoming who they should be. Yes. Is, is this a positive thing for the world in overall? <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. You hit the nail on the head. I truly believe that, that if we all are in our most authentic self, you know, and we stop, judging ourselves and stop having this loop of stories that we may have picked up from other people. I think that it would definitely be a different world and we can definitely raise the vibrations and all live better lives. Well, thank you for being on the Family Electric Ghost podcast. It's been very illuminating. I, I really um, love the conversations with, with people with their perspective because it, it, it really, there is a synergy uh, in, in the kind of creative arts with what you're doing. And um, I, I feel it. And I think a lot of people who watch the podcast will be really interested in, in, in talking to you. Um, so thank you again for being on the show. Beautiful. Thank you for having me. Have a good, well, it's the nighttime here. It's probably a little earlier there. <laughs> all good. Have a good Friday. <laughs> thank you.